Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He's thinking about you. Pieces of the puzzle are falling into place concerning end time stuff, but he's never stopped thinking about you. He's never stopped caring about you. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he's powerful. And he's a just God. And he's going to come back and he's going to, he's going to fix everything. But in the meantime, he's, he's still looking at you saying, you're my kid. I love you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Story's not over yet. Let's keep moving. Got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. Keep on moving. Your story isn't over yet. In today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you to keep running the race of faith with God perseveringly. Know that the Lord is on your side. Even though you might stumble, the Lord is never going to let you fall from his grasp. Pastor James urges you that even if you've taken some steps backwards, get up and get moving. God is going to give you all of the strength that you need if you keep relying on him. Whatever you need, ask the Lord for it and then wait on him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. God's word comes true. It comes true. Like there's no stopping his word. I don't care if it is a little horn with a big ego and, you know, this God complex where he wants everybody to worship him. And he will be a a predecessor of, of sorts to the Antichrist for sure. But Antiochus Epiphanes was not the Antichrist. But he was, he was a good little forerunner of what's to come. But even in the midst of that, God knows how to show up and, and he just, he can keep the light burning for as long as he needs to, for as long as he needs to. What's also cool about that, if you're looking at practical application stuff or personal application, I don't care how defiled the temple is, God can step into it and clean the thing up. He can clean it up. That's a, that's a great application point for any one of us. Because what you can translate that to is we no longer need a temple to worship God because your body is the temple of God. And if you're a normal human being, you probably had some defilement within the temple. But praise God that he knows how to step into that and he can clean up any mess. He can clean up any mess and he's still in the business of doing that. So it's really cool, this, this little bitty, you know, this little bitty, I don't know, a highlight kind of thing is, is tucked away right in the middle of Daniel chapter eight. As Daniel's transported over to Persia and he sees this stuff going on, that's historically going to happen. And, and it did. It, we can look back. We can read the history books. This stuff has happened. But it's not like lessons of long ago and they don't really apply to us today. And, and that was part of what I was praying through today was like, Lord, I... I understand the historical element to these stories because I love history. I love history. It's fun to read history. But I, I, I found myself even just praying today. I'm like, Lord, I, I like the history stuff. But how does that apply today, though? He's like, well, I'm still in the business cleaning up messes. Still in the business of cleaning up defilement. And I'm still in charge. I'm still in control of human history. 
from start to finish. He started it, he's going to finish it. And that's how it's going to be. And so you can have little madmen running around and all this good stuff trying to do their best to attack God, but they don't last. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, you know what happened to him? He died. He died. Just like them, just like all of them. They all show up. They all oppose God. They all die. That's it. That's it. You know who's still alive? Jesus. He's still alive. <laughs> He's still alive. We're, we're on the right side. If, if you're a Christ follower, you're on the right side. You're on the right side. The days might get dark, might get crazy and confusing. Just stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus, okay? So, again, I w- wish I could speak more of this, uh, the uh, Maccabean rebellion and all that good stuff, um, and Hanukkah and all that. I mean, this is like the perfect time. This is like Christmas season, right? So, uh, but I, what I will encourage you to do is, it's just to read up on that story on your own. Um, read up on, on your own. It's a fun little, fun little story. You learn a lot of things concerning um, the foods that they eat. You know, it's all fried in oil which is like amazing. Who wouldn't like that, you know? And eight days, you know, sometimes it's not always, gifts aren't always exchanged on, on, every, on all those eight days, but by and large they are. But, you know, food fried in oil, why fried in oil? Well, it probably has a lot to do with the oil that remained, right? So let's get some latkes and all that good stuff and fried potatoes. Come on, we're Americans. We, we live off of fried potatoes, right? Um, I had fried potatoes today, but they were just in the form of french fries, right? So every day is a Hanukkah day. Um, you get a little chocolate coins, you can spin the dreidel and all this fun stuff. It's, it's just a fun little celebration. Um, it's not the holiest of Jewish holidays, because again, it's not even mentioned in the Bible. Um, but, uh, but it is an important one. It's, it's an important one. And it, it's certainly one that I think even Christians should be up to speed with. We should, we should be, right? Um, it's amazing. Cool little story, right? But again, God's just working. And that, that story, just so you know, biblically, we call that the intertestament time. Right? So Old Testament ends, New Testament begins. Now, in our brain, it, it, time does not work like our Bible, so to speak, where it's like Malachi ends, hey, it's Matthew, and Jesus is born. No, that's not how it works. Malachi, Malachi even if that was probably not even like the last book to actually written, it's just set up that way because it's a minor prophet. Um, the, the time the Old Testament ended to where we have the birth of Christ, you have 400 years of silence. Silence. That's a hard season to go through. That's a hard season to go through when God's not speaking. God's not speaking at all. So this story, the Maccabean rebellion uh, fits right into that gap, but it shows you that God's still working. Even in the silence, God's still working and still moving. I think that's a good, another good little personal application point for us. God's not listening to me. God's not speaking to me. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not working, right? Okay, let's get back into this little vision thing here. We had to talk about, talk about an angel, Gabriel. Gabriel, the angel, verse 15, says, Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning. It's like, what in the world is going on? That suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of uh, Ulai, or Ulai-e, or however you say that, 
who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. I like that. Um, so apparently, like, God is calling out to Gabriel. He's like, hey, Gabriel, can you help Daniel? Because Daniel's like, you know, you can see the wheels turning in his brain, trying to figure this stuff out, and God sends a messenger um, to help him get some clarity. And, and what I really appreciate about this is that even when you have an angel shows up and who speaks to you, gives you the clarity of what's going on, you don't always understand. You still don't always understand. But here's Gabriel. He shows up on the scene. Uh, it says, verse 17, so he came near where I stood. And when he, when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. So he brings a deeper meaning to this. He's like, yeah, this applies to the Medes and the Persians getting overthrown by Alexander the Great. However, Daniel, it goes beyond that. We're talking about end times things as well. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, then he, or, and he said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. The ram which you saw having two horns, they are the kings of, the, of Media and Persia, the Medes and the Persians, okay? And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that, w- that is between its eyes is the first king. That's Alexander. That's where he sees, hey, I'm in the Bible. And he was. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall rise out of that nation, but not with its power. They'll rise up, but they will never be as strong. They won't be as great of leaders as Alexander the Great. They will be so-and-so the okay, you know? <laughs> like, he's Alexander the Great, and he's followed up by so-and-so the, the mediocre, right? The, yeah, he'll do um, kind of guys, right? Not the great, but the okay. All right. So here's Gabriel, which again, I find this fascinating that Gabriel approaches Daniel and he, he hits his face. Like he just falls down on his face and Gabriel's trying to make known to him what this means. And, and then Daniel like goes into this deep sleep and Gabriel's like, Hey, stand up, get up. Like he, he has to physically pick him up off the ground to say, Hey, no, I, I'm trying to explain something to you. Right. Yeah. So you can relate if you've ever taught or, you know, you're like, and people are falling asleep while you're teaching. You're like, Hey, hey, get up. Like, I'm trying to explain something to you. I don't know if that was a scenario, but that's always what it makes me think of, right? So Gabriel stands him up, and now he breaks the vision down for Daniel because, again, God is so good that not only is he going to give Daniel the vision, but he's going to give the explanation of the vision. And this is how all these things should be, these dreams and visions. And people get really weird with this type of stuff, get this, like, secret information from God, right? And, you know, only they know the interpretation for this type of stuff. I don't find that biblical at all. I have a hard time with that. Because even in the most, like, I mean, these are absolute, like, prophetic things. God shows Daniel them, but then he also is like, now let me tell you what that means. I appreciate that. Let scripture interpret scripture. You don't have to go seeking for some weird, obscure meanings and all this stuff. Like, just stick to the Bible. Stick to the Bible. There's a lot of people out there. They're like, I, I have this vision. I have this dream. God's given it to me. And then they tell you it, and you're like, this doesn't line up with the Bible. So I don't think that was God. I think you're off. So you got to be careful with this. Somebody comes to you, and they have some insider information, 
right? Test it with the scriptures. Some crazy pastor gets up and is like, I have a word from the Lord today. It better be this. It better be this thing. Because if it's not from here, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. And I, I would say, if that ever happens, then just get up and walk out. It's not worth listening to. I, have, I specifically, specially have a word. I'm not saying God doesn't give us a word. There's a word of knowledge. That's true. That happens. I've been in those scenarios before. Never received one, but I've been with people who have, right? They're like, I've, sh- I've shared this with you guys before, I think, but I have many stories from my street witnessing days in Oceanside, California, when I was a Bible college student. Go out witnessing the people and fun, just an amazing time. I think it was Friday nights. Yeah, it was Friday nights in Oceanside. Oceanside, California. If you've never been, it's a fun little town. It's a crazy town because you got Camp Pendleton right up the beach. And then you got, I mean, anybody and everybody, um, homeless, prostitutes, guys strung out on drugs, you name it, you'll find it in Oceanside on a Friday night. I promise you that. Um, but one of our little groups was out and they were talking and they were witnessing to this guy and he was just like, he, he just couldn't, because they were talking to him about Jesus, and he had this block, this, like, wall that he had built up, and he's like, no, I don't want what you have. And this girl that was in the group, the Lord gave her a word of knowledge concerning this guy. And the block, the wall was built up because his sister had cancer, and she died, and he blamed God. And she said that. And he just broke. And he crumbled. Because, well, how would she know that? She's a stranger. How would she know that? But that's like the Lord giving her insight into this guy's life. That's not like, I have this word of God, and it's, I mean, you won't find it in here, because God's just given it to me. Like, we're not adding to the scriptures. You're not supposed to do that. Revelation talks about that. You don't add to it, you don't take away from it. So that word of knowledge thing, it's a different thing. That's like personal, like almost insight into somebody's life that nobody would know these details kind of stuff, right? So I'm all for that, but I'm not for like special revelations, you know, revelation part two. Like, no, that's not in the Bible. I don't need that. Um, I'm good with where it ends, okay? And I'm good from Genesis to Revelation. I think we have all that we need, right? Anyways, moving on with uh, Gabriel. So he stands him up. He explains the vision to him about the goat, about the ram, all this good stuff. Verse 23, though, here's the end times scenario. It says, in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features or a fierce countenance, who understands sinister schemes. He not only understands them, but he works by them. His power shall be mighty. But not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. He's going to be a tremendous persecutor. It says, through his cunning, he shall uh, cause deceit to prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. That would be God. Uh, but he shall be broken without human means or human hands, okay? This, this one that he's speaking of concerning the end times will rise up, will be very powerful, all this good stuff, uh, but it will be God who brings this 
person down. He'll, it'll be God who brings him, this person down. Now, this guy does inflict great harm upon God's people. And so if you read the book of Revelation, and if you understand about uh, the, the Antichrist, he absolutely will assault God's people. A lot of God's saints will, um, will die within those seven years of tribulation. Uh, they will be, they will be, um, they'll, they'll be martyred because of their faith in God. He's a wicked man, very cunning, very deceiving, uh, just sinister. I like that word there. It's a good uh, adjective concerning this, uh, this guy who rises up. This is, this is the other little horn, though. This isn't um, Antiochus Epiphanes. We're no longer talking about him. We're talking about the Antichrist, okay? Capital A, Antichrist, right? So Daniel is getting just further insight into this last guy. He saw that two years prior to this in that first vision of that little horn um, coming up, and he's, he's seen this. He, he sees what's going to play out throughout human history, Verse 26, it says, and the vision of the evenings and mornings, which, is, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. This is both like a, an immediate fulfillment and a future fulfillment to come. Okay, this is like a twofold prophecy thing that's happening there. So it would come to pass in history. We see that with Antiochus Epiphanes. That takes place. But it would happen, it's going to happen again is basically what he's saying. Like, it's going to happen in, in, you know, not too far from Daniel's day, you know, I means it's not going to be tomorrow, but it would happen. But what we know is that it's going to happen again because there would be a desecration of the temple by the Antichrist. It's going to set up an image within the temple and demand that all people bow down and worship his image. It's going to happen again. So this is one of those dual prophecy moments where it's going to have a fulfillment, but it also speaks of a, a future date as well. Daniel says, uh, and I, Daniel, fainted. <laughs> I fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but, uh, but no one understood it. So even with an explanation from an angel, Daniel still like scratching his head of like, what? What? And I find comfort in that as well. Because you can have the, I mean, this is Gabriel. This is like Gabriel who is telling you what the word of God means. And you can still walk away thinking like, huh? Well, I don't, I kind of get it, but I don't really understand. But again, Daniel's left with like, he faints. He feels sick for days. He's, he's moved. He's disturbed by this thing. Because again, he is seeing this fulfillment take place of not just like, you know, near future events, but like in time things happen. And sometimes we, we think, well, if I saw that, like if I saw the revelation that John had, I would be so stoked. I'd be so amazed by all that stuff. I think honestly, I would probably be kind of like Daniel. I mean, I, I would hope that we would all be like somewhat disturbed by what you see take place because those are traumatic events that happen. And even what Daniel sees with the little horn, rising power, and all this good stuff. But what he understands from that of like, you know, th- just how oppressive he's going to be towards God's people and all this stuff, it, it just, it, it, it moves him in a, in a way that, not of like excitement, although he knows what happens at the end, but like heartbreak to a certain extent, just knowing like, man, this is all going to happen. This is what 
this is what humanity is going to go through. This is how bad it's going to get. And Daniel was moved physically by that. And I, I actually, I respect that. I respect that. Because it shows that Daniel had a heart. Daniel was a compassionate man. Daniel was broken over this. We know that Daniel was a compassionate man. We know that Daniel was a broken man because we know that the next chapter, if you don't know, now you're, you're about to, he spends his time praying. He spends his time praying. And he, he not only just prays for himself, but he prays for his people, the Jews. And he's so moved with compassion and he's so moved by these things that he has seen. And this would be, you know, this, this happens beyond this vision, but I, I believe that these were seeds that were planted in, in his heart that caused him to like intercede on behalf of, his, of the people that he's a part of because he repents for his sins and the sins of his nation in Daniel chapter nine. So he's so moved by what's going to happen that it causes him to pursue God in such a way where he's broken over the sins of the nation he's a part of. And I, I, I admire that. He's not just like, you know, hooting and hollering and, and you know, like, woo, we win, you know, yeehaw and all this good stuff. I mean, that's true, but what he's able to put together is like, that all happens because of the sinfulness of man, because of the sinfulness of man. It's going to get really bad because of sin. And so that leads Daniel to say, you know what, God? I pray you forgive me and my people of our sins. And that's what it should always do. It should. I read prophecy stuff and end time stuff, and I get excited for what's to come. But there's also a part of me that's like broken, that's broken of knowing, well, what's to come? And not everybody makes it out of it. And that should break our hearts. But there's Daniel. There's another prophecy, another, another vision that he has. And um, again, uh, just a few little points there. If I could encourage you, God's word comes true. He said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It will come to pass. There's nothing or no one who stands in that way. Nobody. And in the meantime, as this is all playing out like God has seen it and planned it, um, his eyes are still on you and me. His eyes are still on us. Uh, Book of Hebrews tells us that on his way to the cross, his eyes were on us. We were on his mind as he's carrying that piece of lumber to, the, to, the, to Calvary, to Golgotha. Uh, and it says that his, his mind is, is, is still on us. He's interceding on behalf of us day and night. I mean, all this stuff, just to, it, it just speaks of he's thinking about you. Pieces of the puzzle are falling into place concerning end time stuff, but he's never stopped thinking about you. He's never stopped caring about you. He's amazing. He's amazing. And he's powerful. And he's a just God. And he's going to come back and he's going to, he's going to fix everything. But in the meantime, he's, he's still looking at you saying, you're my kid. I love you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Story's not over yet. Let's keep moving. Got to keep moving. Got to keep moving.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the book of Daniel together, and it's quite an interesting book to cover. From fiery furnaces to strange visions to having a faith that goes against society enough to be thrown to the lions, the book of Daniel is anything but boring. In fact, we hope your faith is spurred on because of what you read and learn in this book. If you need to hear this message again or would like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary in Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come and visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Wednesday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m. You're welcome to join us anytime. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. You can also get directions there. We're excited to meet you and spend time in worship with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Daniel and gear up for what's ahead in this prophetic book. It's almost like a roller coaster ride where you're not sure what's around the next corner, but what you'll come to find out is rather thrilling, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.